Uh, last week, I talked about how we're in a really significant season and a, a moment as a church, but also as a world. And I talked about the concept of Exodus and how I believe that we are in a season as people of Exodus, where we are moving from the old into the new. And for us, it's obviously quite easy to translate to we're moving from Catalyst Church to being Hope Revolution, uh, amongst other things that are changing and transitioning in this time. And, and I really, I'm convinced of that word. I'm convinced that we're in this season where God is birthing new things, where we are stepping into the new. And it takes time for us to figure out what that looks like. And I, I set us a challenge last week in my message that we would be a people that would learn from the Israelites and the Corinthians, that we wouldn't be people that forget and that we wouldn't be people that are complacent, that we wouldn't settle like the Corinthian church settled and that we wouldn't assimilate worldly culture with church culture or what we believe is kingdom culture, but that we wouldn't, we wouldn't settle, but also that we wouldn't forget, which we all know is one of the main issues that the Israelites had. Time and again, they forgot the deeds of God. Time and again, they forgot the ways of God. And so that was a challenge that I set to us. And I guess today isn't really a part two, but today I want to give us something that we can practice that helps us not be complacent and not forget. And so today I want to talk about the power of testimony. The power of testimony. Amen. And yeah, amen. It's going to be a good 30 minutes or so. The testimony. So what is a testimony? A testimony is giving proof or evidence of something that exists or something that is real. A testimony is, you can call a testimony a story that is factual. It's something that happened to you. Uh, just like, you know, just this morning, I went to Woolworths to purchase some bread so that I could make scrambled eggs on toast. That's a testimony. It's legit. It happened. It's true. It's, the word testimony is used quite interchangeably with the word witness or to give witness. It's a really common term that's used in court. You know, people will sit on the stand and give their testimony or give their witness of something that happened. Now, we obviously know that the word testimony, when we think about it in terms of church, it's a word that we use to describe when we share our personal stories. So, hi, my name's Nathan, and I'm here to give my personal testimony to you today, and I'm going to share about what has happened in my life. And that's the concept that we understand. We, we have our general life testimony, which we've all experienced salvation, and we know God, and, and so therefore we have a story to tell. And we also have testimonies that we share of things that happen throughout our week. You know, we, we may have a story of, like, God answered my prayer, and so therefore I want to testify that he answered my prayer. Or maybe we saw, we prayed for someone and God healed them. And so we have a testimony to share about God healing that person. Or maybe we had financial hardships and we were hoping for, you know, a certain amount of money to be able to pay our bills or to be able to do something and God provided for us. So those are all testimonies. Yeah. And, and we don't have to think long and hard. I, like I personally don't and I would hope that you don't. But if you stop for a minute and thought, what's a testimony that I have that God's done in my life? I'm sure that we can all think of at least one. Yeah. Because we all know Jesus. And that's a testimony in itself. But I'm, I'm hopeful and I believe that mo many of us would have multiple testimonies and stories that throughout our life that we have and that we can remember and that we can recall and potentially testify to to other people that are around us. Testimony as a concept and as a practice is an incredibly powerful thing. The word testimony shows up a large amount of times in both the Hebrew language and the Old Testament, but also in the Greek. 
There are many people who write and share and talk about testimonies. If you want to study testimony in the Old Testament in Hebrew, I would encourage you to turn to Psalms. The Psalms is full of David testifying of what God has done for him, of telling of what God has done for him, of recommending that people remember what God has done and then tell people. Uh, it's so common to see it involved in, in Psalms of praise where David is telling of the deeds of God or testifying or giving testimony. It's also really common to see Paul use the language of testimony in the New Testament. He talks multiple times in many different books about how he testifies of Jesus Christ and how he comes to testify of Jesus or how he comes to testify of what God has done in his life, the restoration that he's experienced, the fact that Jesus has transformed him. Testimony is weaved throughout the story of the Bible. Just like it's weaved throughout the story of our life. And the reason why it's like that is because we have a God who's living and active. He's involved in our lives. He's sent his son to die for us as we've just been reminded by Matt as we shared communion. That's the greatest testimony of all. In Revelations chapter 19 verses 9 to 10, Book of Revelation, it's a it's actually not a scary book to read. I only encourage you, read the book of Revelation. It's actually really encouraging and inspiring. I would read it with a commentary or two on the side. But the book of Revelation isn't scary. But in, in the book of Revelation, we see John writing to several churches in Asia Minor, and he's writing an encouragement to them. And the book is weaved with a, a lot of allegorical writing, it has some prophetic writing in it, some writing about visions that John has. But in Revelation 19, we see here that John has an encounter. An angel comes and an angel speaks to John in Revelation chapter 19. And it says this, And the angel said to him, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And so I fell down at his feet to worship him. But the angel said to me, You must not do that. For I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. I um, don't know if you guys know this, but the word testimony in Hebrew... Its root word is the word aduth. Aduth. And what it means is do it again or repeat it. To do again or to repeat. Think about that for a second. We have John here writing in the New Testament saying, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we think about what prophecy means or what prophecy is, prophecy is both foretelling and foretelling. It's concerning things that are to come in the future and things that uh, potentially have been in the past that are to come to pass in the future. But John here writes that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in biblical times, in the ancient Near East, they had this understanding that when the word testimony was shared, when the word testimony was heard, or when a testimony was given, it was shared in the hope that it would be done again. That's incredibly significant. It was shared in the hope that it would be done again. Testimony. God, do it again. I have this testimony to share. 
I'm asking God, would you do it again? I'd even suggest that I am prophesying, God, would you do it again? What is the testimony of Jesus? What is the testimony of Jesus? Now, the testimony of Jesus, when we think about what Jesus did when he was on earth, when we think about his life and his ministry and his death and resurrection on the cross, what are some of the things that we receive or that Jesus gave through what he did? Some that come to my mind are things like healing. We receive healing because of the work of Christ. We receive salvation. We receive power. We're given freedom. We're given authority. We are restored. We are redeemed. We are called sons and daughters. We're given identity. We're given faith, hope, love, joy, peace. All these things because of what Christ has done. All these things that are part of the testimony of Jesus, part of the story, part of his works, part of his ways, all that we get to receive. And when we think about those things, and when we think about giving the testimony, and the knowledge that it means, God, would you do it again? Or God, would you repeat it? That's really significant for us. You know, when we share a testimony, it's not just about telling a good story. When I share a testimony about how God has saved me, how God has delivered me, how he has set me free, it's not just me writing a good book or telling a good story, but it's me declaring the work of the one true living God and what he's done in my life. And to know that when I share that, when I testify or when I give my testimony, it means that I'm saying, do it again. Doesn't that make you want to share testimonies all the more? Yes. It does for me. It just makes me want to stand up here and talk about things that I've seen God do for the last five years of my life. Yeah. I think when we understand, and this is the beauty of learning the language and learning the history and learning what's behind the English words, but when we understand what testimony means and where it came from and its root and the fact that it means do it again, Oh, we should be testifying a whole lot more. Yeah. And not just in church, but we should be testifying to the darkness in the world. Yeah. We should be speaking the hope of Jesus everywhere we go. Yeah. And it's not hard, because all we have to do is just say, imagine going to the grocery store, you get to the, to the line, and then there's a person at the checkout. And it's a typical, hey, how you doing? The checkout person replies, I'm good, how are you? And you say, I'm good. That's usually all that goes on. And then there might be a conversation about the weather or maybe a conversation about you know, something like COVID. That's usually what happens for me. But what would happen if you got to the checkout line and instead of replying, I'm good, what would happen if you said, I'm joyful? Mm. What would happen if you said, I'm really happy today? Or I'm really grateful today? Yeah. Or I'm really hopeful today? Mm. One word changed. What do you think that person would do? I, I reckon they would ask why. Yeah. And then do you know what you need us to say next? Because of Jesus. Because yeah. this is what God has done in my life. Yes. Testifying is so simple. Because testifying isn't about our ability. It's not about us boasting in ourselves, boasting in our gifts, boasting in what's happened to us, our success. Testifying is about boasting in the glory of our God. Yeah. I'm not hopeful because of my own accord. 
I'm not joyful because I can muster it up. I'm hopeful because of Jesus Christ. I'm joyful because I'm saved. Slight word change. And it could open the door to that person hearing about Jesus. It could open the door to the possibility of something that God did in your life happening in their life. Because the reality is the world around us is crying out for hope. The world around us is crying out for a joy that is everlasting. The world around us is crying out for peace in the midst of such turmoil. I'm peaceful today. Why are you peaceful? I would love some peace in my life. How are you peaceful? I'm peaceful because I know the Prince of Peace. I'm peaceful because the Prince of Peace is with me right now. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? Testifying is so simple and we've got to do it more. So simple. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Joshua. Or chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up at a town called Adam and in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water was flowing down to the sea, Araba was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over the Jordan opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark stood firm on the dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. And so when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to them to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. We're going to skip down a little bit here and we're going to go to verse 10 in chapter 4. And so now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua to do was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. And so that day Joshua, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Skip down here to verse 19 and it says this, And on the tenth day of the first month, when the people went up from the Jordan, they camped at Gilgal. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them this, that Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had all crossed over. 
The Lord God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. And when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did that so that all the people on earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So this is the second time now that Israel have experienced the miraculous power of God allow them to cross through a booming river. The river Jordan is, is quite a, a large river and during harvest time, as it says here, it, it floods all the time during harvest. And so the Israelites experience the Jordan being stopped, allowing them to cross over the miraculous power of God twice now with the Red Sea and now with the Jordan. And we see here at the end of chapter four that Joshua obeys what the Lord has instructed him. And so they gather up the 12 stones from the 12 men representing the 12 tribes and they put it together and create an altar, a remembrance, a permanent testimony of what God has done for them. For them to always remember the ways of their God. For them to never forget, to tell generation after generation after generation, hey, guess what? God is miraculous. He dried up the Jordan so we could cross over. You know what I find so interesting? Is that they set up this altar, this permanent testimony in Gilgal. And Gilgal, guess what Gilgal means? It means rolling wheel. To continue on, to roll forth, a wheel that rolls on. Isn't that really synonymous with testimony? When we think about what testimony means. Do it again, repeat it, God. May it carry on and move forward. Rolling wheel, moving forward. So they set up a permanent testimony. A physical thing established for them to remember God's work in a place which means a very similar thing. There's so much power in the testimony. What about the story of David and Goliath? I love this story, and it's filled with amazing testimony. David is sent by his father to go to the front line. He's carrying some food with him to go give to his brothers and the commanders to make sure that they can be sustained. And at this point in time, in the, the war against the Philistines, Goliath is there and he's mocking the people. He's mocking Israel, saying like, who are you? Who are you going to send to fight against me? I'm going to defeat you all. No man can defeat me. David comes and he begins to question, like, what are you guys doing here? Like, what's going on? Like, why are we not, you know, going out to Goliath? And he ends up saying to Saul, like, your servant is here, send me. And the people laugh and they scoff at him. And you know what David does? You know how he rebuts what they're saying? He testifies. And he shares testimony. What's the first one? That he killed a lion. That God gave him the strength to kill a lion to save his sheep. And then the second time, he slayed a bear to save his sheep. Now David at this point in time was not old. He was, according to scripture and according to history, he was not very big, not very muscular. He was the youngest of many different brothers. And he was not big enough or able enough to be at war. He was a shepherd boy. I think Goliath actually calls him good-looking or handsome, I think it says in the text. But David rebuts people's doubt, their disbelief about what he's saying with testimony. And guess what happens? He goes out there and in the exact same way that he slayed the lion, that he slayed the bear, he slays Goliath. God enables him to slay Goliath. 
these are just two examples of so many stories in the Bible where people share testimony and it leads to fruit. Time and again, we can see it in the Word where, where the testimony of what God has done leads people to see it happen again or to see God move on their behalf again. I want this to encourage us today. I want this to give us faith and to give us hope to know that when we share a testimony, it's not just us telling a good story, but it's us declaring, prophesying, God, would you do this again? God, would you do it again? Now, I've got two stories. They're testimonies. And one of them isn't a great one because we don't always get it right and we sometimes miss opportunities and that's okay. And one's a good one. I'll start with the time that I got it wrong. Over the last few months, I've, uh, I shop at Tasman Meats to get my meat. And over the last few months, there's been this one lady at the checkout who I've come into contact with every week when I go shopping. And we would have some very fascinating conversations with some amazing language that she would use in those conversations. And during these times, there was, I could always sense from her that there was a lot of anger, that there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of disappointment and a lot of confusion going on. And we would talk about the similar things all the time and it would like clockwork. Every Friday morning when I would go do my meat shopping, it happened. And every time I was there and I would discern these things, it was physically obvious. I could tell there was something going on and I, and I felt like God was like, there was opportunity for me. Every time I would go, I'd find an excuse for me to not testify to her, to not share hope with her. Time and again, time and again. And unfortunately, I haven't seen her now for the last three or four weeks. And so I don't know if she still works at Tasman or not. But I felt convicted by my lack of testifying. Convicted enough to, to be really sad about the fact that she didn't get to hear about Jesus from me. About the fact that I saw something that wasn't right. And I have something that is right. Yeah. And it's something that I know that God can do again. And I didn't share it. It happens. The beautiful thing is God always gives us another opportunity. God always gives us grace because it's in his nature to do it again. Isn't that right? It doesn't matter how many times we screw it up, God's still going to give us another chance. Still going to give us another chance. And that chance came with another lady that was at Tasman. I tell you what, if you want to give a chance to minister to people, go to Tasman Butchers. The people are great there. They're so lovely. Um, I just feel like they're very open at Tasman. I feel like if you're a butcher, you're a pretty like down-to-earth and open person that would be happy to have a chat. So, but anyways, I got a chance to minister to another lady at Tasman and, and not pray for her or anything like that in the store, but I just got to tell her about hope and to be hopeful and that she can like, you know, have something to hope for. And that was amazing. But the testimony that I wanted to share it's actually from a, a couple of years ago. I was up in Brisbane and we were doing some evangelism out in the street. And I walked up to this dude and he was hanging out in a rotunda and I could tell that he was under the influence of some alcohol. He wasn't like crazy drunk, but you know, you could tell he'd been drinking and he smelled like liquor. And I went up and I sat next to him and I started conversing with him and he, he began to tell me part of his life story and how his life had been really hard and that you know, he'd lost his job and he's experiencing depression. His life was in a really bad spot. Really, really bad spot. And in that moment, I had a chance to share with him. Nothing elaborate, but I just got to share about what God had done in my life. We had had some similar experiences. 
we had had some similar low points. And so I was able to share part of my testimony with him. I didn't preach the gospel. I didn't deliver the Roman road, you know, Romans 5, Romans 6, whatever. Like there was no methodology. I just shared part of my story. I just shared part of, well, this is what my life was like. This is what God did and this is where I am now. Yeah. And it was beautiful. We ended up having this 45 minute to an hour conversation. He ended up, I ended up getting to pray for him. He gave his life to Jesus. Amen. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. We got to plug him in with a local church. And as far as I'm concerned, he's still going to that church now, which is absolutely amazing. But I, I did nothing in that story except tell him what God did for me. Yeah. That's right. Our testimonies have power to do it again. They have power. They prophesy into people's lives. The fact that, hey, God's done this for me, he can do it for you. He's not a once-off God. He's not a once-off Father. We see that by grace. We see that in his mercy and his justice. God wants to do it again. Over and over and over again. So we all have testimonies. We all have stories to share. We all have things in our life that we know God has done. And whether it's as simple as the fact that we've received salvation, heck, that's the most powerful one you can have. Or maybe it's God's healed me of this. Maybe it's God's set me free. Maybe it's God's delivered me. Maybe it's just God's really given me peace right now when my world around me is screaming anxiety. That's a powerful testimony. But each and every one of us, I want to challenge us that we all have a testimony to share. And there's two places we can share it. We can share it when we're gathered here in the light with other believers. And it can build us up. It can encourage us. It can prophesy into this space, into this atmosphere. Hey, God's done this in my life. He can do it for you. Hey, I've got peace right now and I used to have anxiety. Does anyone here have anxiety? I want to pray for peace. We can do that with each other. We're actually meant to do that for each other. We're called, iron's called to sharpen iron. We're called to build, edify, encourage one another. Paul tells us over and over again in the New Testament that we are called to build each other up. And so we are supposed to do that. You know how we can do that? With our testimony. With our story. We can do that for each other. But we're also called to do it in the world that's around us. And I would say it's nearly more important to do it in the world that's around us. Because as we've seen Matthew, there's no point having a lamp and putting a shade over it and covering it. There's no point covering a light. And so we're called to not be light that is always in light, but we're called to be light that is in darkness, lighting up the darkness. And the easiest way for for us to do that is not by some method. It's not by some crazy vision that leads us to go somewhere. It's not by us having extreme evangelism skills or being able to, you know, know the Roman road to deliver the gospel or... It's about us having a story to share. And that's the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And we can do that so easily. All it takes is a little bit of intentionality. All it takes is a little bit of us just focusing in a moment. Maybe changing from the word good to joyful or full of hope. One word, a one word change in the sentence that you probably say five or ten times a day could lead to a moment that changes a person's life.
forever. That's the power of our testimony. That's the power of our God. So let us testify more. Let us testify more when we are gathered together. But let us also go out and testify more to the people that are around us and begin to spread the light. Not by method, not by practice makes perfect, but by the power of our stories, by the power of our testimonies. And we all get to know and believe now that testimony means do it again. And so every time we share, every time we deliver, we, according to Revelations 19, are prophesying the goodness of God that we've experienced into the people that are around us. The testimony of Jesus. It is the spirit of prophecy. So let us take that testimony and go and prophesy. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for us. Father, we thank you for the greatest testimony of all. The single testimony that brings us all together. The testimony that unifies us, that creates us as a family. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to die in our place. Thank you for extending grace to us when we did not deserve it. Jesus, I pray that you would call to remembrance in our hearts and in our minds testimonies and stories of what you have done in our lives. God, I pray that you would give us courage and boldness to declare that to the people that are around us, both in the light and in the darkness. Jesus, I pray that we would begin to see the power of testimony that we would begin to see the fact that, God, you don't just do something once, you do it time and again, just like you extend grace time and again. God, you always deliver. May we grow in our faith and may we be assured knowing that, I pray. In your name, amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Just before we close, there's just a couple of practical things that I just want to share. I would encourage you, and I've been convicted in this at multiple points in my life and it's something that I always try to work on and do better. If you have a hard time remembering what God has done for you, can I encourage you to just write it down somewhere? It doesn't take much to have a notebook, like a physical notebook or maybe a notes folder on your phone and just record your testimonies. Like one of the things that I deeply regret sometimes is when I went to Haiti on my first missions trip, we saw hundreds, and and I don't exaggerate, but we saw hundreds of miracles take place in the span of two weeks. And something that I didn't do well was record the testimonies of what I experienced on that trip. There were some that I naturally remember and some to this day that I remember that are ingrained in my brain. But I don't remember every single one. And I think something that's really important for us is because of the weight and the significance of what a testimony is, it's not something that we can be flippant with. It's not something that we can just throw around and share or remember or forget. A testimony describes, the testimony of Jesus describes the working of God. And so it's something that we should hold on to. It's something that we should remember. It's something that we should call forth. And 
hey, like, what happened to the Israelites? What did they always do? They always forgot. They struggled to remember. They, they struggled to recall what God had done. Yeah. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us. It, it can be as simple as just like a little note sitting on your phone. It doesn't have to be an amazing, like, you know, crazy, like God grew this person's leg out or grew their arm out. Like if you've just got a testimony about God giving you peace in the midst of anxiety, that's a testimony worth remembering. This is something that God can do again and I would dare say wants to do again. So record your testimonies. Write them down. Remember them. Meditate on them. You know that David in Psalms, in, in, I would encourage you to read Psalm 119 because it's, it's full of David talking about testimonies. But in Psalm 119, David writes that he meditates on the testimonies of his God day and night. They are always on his lips. They are on his heart. That he keeps his testimonies close to his heart. Or when we think about Mary, with Jesus as Jesus was growing up. When she experienced Jesus doing things, what did she do? She held them close to her heart. We need to hold the testimonies of God, the stories of God in our lives close to our heart so that we can meditate on them, remember them, not forget them, and so that we can call them to remembrance. So I I want to encourage us all, and myself included, because as I said, I don't always do it well. And I haven't done it well in the past, but I want us to be people that when we're in a moment and we encounter something that isn't of God, we have a testimony in our minds that reminds us of God fixing a situation like that, which gives us faith to see it happen again. So let us be practical and remember the testimony.